Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 679. Science Faction, the blood of the elderly, and how banging Neanderthals is a homo sapien pastime. <laughs> I, I mean, we've talked, we've, we've spent, I mean, cumulatively hours talking about mm-hmm. humans and, and Neanderthals fucking. I thought that was yeah. just a given. Like, you didn't listen to this podcast unless you were a firm believer. We, even, we have our own shorthand for it. We call it the brow facial discussion. <laughs> uh, once you go Neanderthal, you probably have a broken bone. They're very physical. Yes. But it's worth it. It's worth it. For the genetic data, you definitely go back. You don't stay banging. The, you you go right back. <laughs> listen, in a drought. Uh, listen, I would for... L- 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 Bobby, you and I were very horny teens who didn't yes. get a lot of action. So yeah. if I were to tell you that, like, hey, there's this, like, chick. Listen, she's a little rough, but you will... She puts out. And yeah, yes. you might have a concussion. I don't think there would have been a, an argument. About how, like, no. Bobby and I would have been like, like, it'd be like a cartoon, like, oh, well, I'm certainly not going to that place. And then we'd have a death race to see who could get there first. I, this side note, by the way, this is one of the times that I went against the current scientific knowledge at the time, and I was right. And I was a petulant 19 year old doing my undergrad work. And back then, we didn't have the genetic evidence of humans and Neanderthals interbreeding. In fact, a lot of people, a lot of paleoanthropologists postulated that it was impossible because we were too far separated and we didn't, and we didn't have any evidence of it. And everybody said we didn't interbreed. And I felt like raising my hand and I was like, but we know we overlapped in time and space. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some places in the Middle East and Europe and stuff. And we definitely overlapped in time and space. And I was like, well, then we definitely fucked. Like, you don't understand. If you're saying this right now, you have never been a 14 year old boy. Because if somebody was a 14 year old boy five years ago, let me tell you, we absolutely were fucking Neanderthals. We just got to wait for that evidence to come in. And sure enough, young Young, stupid Bobby talking to some of the most preeminent paleoanthropologists in the world was the one who was right because he followed the horniness. Yes. I, I mean, Bobby, if you and I were like, let's just say uh, in a different life, you and I were just small town sheriff and deputy. Um, uh-huh. I'll let we all clearly I'd be the sheriff and you'd be the deputy in this scenario. Um, well, that's fine because you would get shot and I wouldn't. <laughs> how much, how much, uh, if in this rural community, how much... Uh, pe- people having sex with animals would would calls would we get like oh I found uh, Frank on my farm fucking my goat or something yeah, that would be the better like- question is how many times you don't get called yes I mean there is so much more animal fucking that is noted in the official police blotter now yeah now now, now let's let's say now let's say, let's replace goat with sexy curved Neanderthal thick uh, yeah. thick uh, pog ass Neanderthal then uh, who your professor. <laughs> Seems to know nothing of human nature, despite studying humans his entire fucking life. <laughs> you know what? They were like fair skinned, and we think we might have even gotten red hair for them. So they really were the original pogs, huh? <laughs> it's fat ass Neanderthals. <laughs> Fuck yeah, brother. 
Oh, and speaking of the fat-ass Neanderthal of the show, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is the skinny homo Heidelbergensis of this show, none other than our comedian, Mr. Damien Ricardo. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? Oh, my, thank you, guys. To meet you, Bobby. I am tired of all these <laughs> Neanderthal men kicking over my sandcastles at the beach. Uh, and if you don't want to get your sandcastle kicked over at the beach by some kind of angry masculine hominid, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon. You get four extra science articles every single week. And uh, check out Awful Neutral. Um, we are doing a uh, October horror special. Um, it is based upon The Last of Us, and all of us play dads, and uh, it is uh, dungeon mastered by uh, my brother Joe. It's a lot of fun. We had our first session. It's going to be all throughout October. We uh, stream live on Twitch every Sunday at uh, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Catch us there or we'll just catch it on the podcast. Whatever. Or just do something more moral like play Yahtzee or something. All right. Let's go right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. Yahtzee was the official game of the SS, as Bobby knows. Yeah, super sexy Neanderthals. <laughs> Damn it. The Camaro SS. Damn it, I was trying to go there. <laughs> oh, dear. Article number one, the blood of the elderly. So this is really interesting. This is a really large, really long-term study that shows differences in the blood of people who live to old ages. And we're talking about really old, 90 to 100 uh, years old. And they're looking at the blood even decades before they get to that particular age. And the way they're doing that is by doing a very large longitudinal study that follows groups of people for many, many decades. And the ultimate question is, what is the difference between centenarians, people who would be 100 years old, and the rest of us? So they made a deal with uh, a cursed Beelzebub, Mephistopheles, yes. perhaps a cursed uh, uh, monkey paw. They beat him in a fiddle match down in Georgia. Now they get to live to be over a hundred. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, whenever somebody lives to be a hundred, I just assumed they were, they just lived well. Like they, they basically live the life of Tibetan monk or something. There, there does seem to be some element of that as a prerequisite. Like you got to kind of work out a little. Now it's not everybody. Everyone's got that weird anecdote of the, you know, grandma who smoked every day or whatever. But like for the most part, you got to, you know, avoid the booze, avoid the alcohol, avoid the bad food. You got to walk a lot and get some exercise and stuff. Become racist. That really extends your life. I, that might be correlational. I just think everybody, if you look at 100 years ago, everybody was racist. So everybody we have that lasted 100 years, just by definition, is racist. Become evil. Look at Henry Kissinger. That guy That guy was, was <laughs> old bef before I was born. He was old. <laughs> I mean, just be evil. So the study looked at everything, and they looked at these biomarkers. By the way, they started looking at this group of people, when, uh, which is 44,000 is the end number. These are Swedish people. So they looked at 44,000 Swedes from that started these health assessments at the age of 64 to 99. So they followed these people for 35 years, or until they died. Some of them obviously died before then, and saw who got to live to 100, who got to live to 90. And the reason this is important is you can then go back in the data, once you have this long, long, long-term study, you can go back in the data and say, what's different about the blood 
uh, and the blood and the biomarkers of these people who ended up living to be 100, what was different about their blood when they were 65? Because at some point, by the time they're 100, you can't say what's different about their blood because it's only their left, so you can't even see that. You have to kind of do this over a long period of time, keep the records, and go back and see what it is. So they found a few things that were different. Now, before we get into that, here's a question, Damien. What percentage of people do you think live to be, let's say, over 90? And what percentage of people do you think live to be over 100? I'm going to say 3% to 90. And we're going to say U.S. population just because that's the one we have the most numbers on. Okay. So, um, yeah, 3% make it to 90 or over. And then I'm going to guess that uh, 1%, around 1%, give or take a little bit, for people make it to 100. Okay. So I think that's a great guess. Shockingly wrong. Fuck you. Like, shockingly. Yeah. Like, (laughs) all right. And by the way, the people who live to be over 100, that number has doubled basically every decade since the 70s, give or take. Again, doesn't doesn't always work that way. But we have just done such a better job with treating disease and long-term health care and stuff like that. That number has gone drastically up. But to, to answer this, so over 90, the overall percentage, 24%, which is really high in my opinion. 24% in the U.S. By the way, highly skewed, 16% of men make it that age and 34% of women. So literally more than a third of women will live to be over 90. That's shocking to me. They probably died from making up stories about how being nagged to death by their wives. <laughs> it's just that amount is crazy. Like that's a super high number. Just the 24% overall is super high to me. But the fact that you know, every female baby you hold, one third of them are going to live to be that age. And by the way, by the time they grow up, it'll be more than that. So like that, that's shockingly high. But here's the thing. When you get to 100, that number drops off so drastically that it can actually be hard to calculate. But in general, in the overall population, it's like somewhere between a third, one third of 1%. And again, you know, the numbers will say less than 1%, but it looks to be about a third of 1%. 85% of those people, by the way, that make it that far, the third of 1% are women. So again, this is almost all women, and it is a small, small percentage. So think about that. You go from a third of all women to a third of 1% of all people. So that 10 years, that's like a real big difference. Who can make it to 90 and who can make it to 100? And obviously, there are key factors we can all guess, right? Like we talked about diet, exercise, smoking, drinking, genetics. Like all of these are going to play huge roles. Not contracting an STD in a nursing home. That's true. Though, you know, we talked before about like the rampant STDs in nursing homes because old people are fucking like crazy, both because of the gender difference, because less men, more women, but also because of the invention of Viagra. And they're just like fucking pitching tents all day long with nothing else. It's like arts and crafts, bang. Your jazzercise, bang. You know, just go, the grandkids visit, great, bang. Like back and forth. And uh, I have I have been thinking that it really does, it does seem to put a nice halo around the idea of retirement, doesn't it? Like mm-hmm. if, you could, if you could stick it out and be one of those last dudes, like you really got a, you got a good thing coming. Like that's that's Literally. that. I mean, like in in Islam, that is that is your reward for yeah. for for <laughs> certain types of death. I mean, something like that. I mean, people 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 literally, you know, will will blow themselves up. Will, I mean, uh, not to make reference in lieu, you know, in lieu <laughs> comment on nothing. People will sacrifice quite a bit for for this very real thing you're talking about. <laughs> 
about it, but a nursing home is Muslim heaven. <laughs> uh, I'm willing dear. to bet that there are a lot of really freaky, uh, freaky uh, uh, posts coming out of like uh, the the Gulf states. A lot of freaky porn searches. Let me put it that way: P- porn searches. Yeah, better than Muslim heaven because Muslim heaven you get seventy some odd virgins. Who wants a virgin? That's horrible news. That's like you you trying to hire the person who's never done the job before. When you get a seventy year old broad who's really trying to impress you because she's only got one seventh of your attention span, that's somebody who's got experience and motivation. That's better than any young virgin. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing on your application it says that you worked the docs. I don't need to hear anymore. Interview's over. We found our candidate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so in this case, when they followed these uh, Swedes, remember, they started later at 65. So you already had a bunch of self-selection of people dying out. It's also a little bit of a healthier population. So in this case, 2.7% of the people they were studying ended up living to be 100 years old. Obviously, those are skewed for those reasons we just mentioned. And they looked at what could predict a long life. And here's a quote from the article. 12 blood-based biomarkers related to inflammation, metabolism, liver and kidney function, as well as potential malnutrition and anemia were included. All of these have been associated with aging or mortality in previous studies. The biomarker related to inflammation was uric acid, a waste product of the body caused by the digestion of certain foods. We also looked at markers linked to metabolic status and functioning, including total cholesterol and glucose, and ones related to liver function, such as, and I'm going to give the abbreviations, ALAT, ASAT, GGT, ALP, and LD. And uh, it's also, there's a D's here. Is that no, Damien? Not these nuts. <laughs> well, then I'm then I don't know how to read. I'm going to be honest with you, Bobby. Again, we're talking about uh, ninety and hundred year olds. So if they were, they would be next to D's knees. You know what I mean? <laughs> In D's toilet bowl when they went to D's poop. I'm going to continue the quote. We looked at creatinine, which is linked to kidney function, and iron and total binding capacity, which is linked to anemia. Finally, we also investigated albanin, a biomarker associated with nutrition, end quote. Now, I did not mispronounce the word creatine, but this is actually the metabolite that creatine gets broken down in, in your kidneys, into in your kidneys. And so too high is bad for you. Too low means you have too low muscle mass because you're not you know, producing enough creatine and breaking it down. So they use these essentially as biomarkers and they took their blood throughout many decades, starting in the, these people's 60s. And then when they got to those people who lived to be 90 something, 100 something, they went back to those old blood samples to see what these levels and what these associations were. And what they found was, uh, here's a quote, on the whole, those who made it to their 100th birthday tended to have lower levels of glucose, creatinine, and uric acid from from their 60s onwards. For example, very few of the centenarians had a glucose level above 6.5 earlier in life or a creatinine level above 125. The people in the lowest out of the five groups for levels of total cholesterol and iron had a lower chance of reaching 100 years as compared to those with higher levels. Meanwhile, people with higher levels of glucose, creatinine, uric acid, and markers for liver function also decreased the chance of becoming a centenarian. So what changes can I make as a simple lover of mature porn? Well, 
One, I do think that there is something to motivation. And so just knowing that the future holds this possible uh, retirement community harem, if you will, that does do a lot in my book, you know, especially if you can like hold it together. You know, I'll never forget, we grew up, Damien, there was a very famous HBO show the series that was on when we were young men called Band of Brothers. Yes. And it, it, it had showed a bunch of World War II veterans and it would show them in World War II, but then it would it would fast forward and show the, the people that were still alive giving interviews in real time. And and you could tell that some of the guys, like both all these men went to war. They all had horrible experiences. And some aged like milk. Like they got <laughs> old as shit really fast. And then you had some of them, like fucking Captain Winters, who looked like he could still be slaying fields of ladies and Germans probably at the same time. Be an officer. And, 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 be an officer, yeah. you have an easier life. Yeah, it must have been. But I mean, clearly people age very, very differently and it becomes very like obvious. And if you can age like a Captain Winters and still kind of have like a sexy thing going at like, I don't know, 82 when he was being interviewed for that show, like you could definitely own that old folks home. So anyway, having that motivation, I think that will help. But also, obviously, there's stuff we know about. There's stuff we know about in terms of not eating a ton of sugar, which, you know, I'm certainly guilty of. It's uh, getting more exercise, and I certainly don't always do that. It's it's the stuff that we kind of know. But there's also a bunch of stuff that we could do better that we probably aren't aware of, whether it's things like iron levels, where it's things like monitoring our kidney metabolites and things like that, that will probably be part of medical treatment, even in our own lifetime, in order to promote longevity and also just like better quality of life in your older years but really really interesting because if you think about it for a long time we're like hey how long does a human live and you're like i don't know dying of natural death whatever i, I don't know somewhere between 64 and 104 and it's like that's a big fucking range what's the difference you know and again you hear the stories of the grandma who smoked until she was 101 and whatever and that's not what you should do but that does happen and we know that a bunch of this has to do with lifestyle and a bunch of it has to do with genetics but if we can figure that out well enough and alter those numbers then anybody could have the chance to be that 104 year old grandma isn't one of the uh, one of the biggest factors is poverty right i mean like if you well sure i mean so, but, so I mean, it, but... It, it's socioeconomic to to some degree well, sometimes, but if you look at the longest lived areas, like the, the places in Okinawa and some of the places in Italy and stuff, they actually, they're not well off. They are not very wealthy people. Now, within our society, wealth has a big impact because wealth directly impacts certain access to, to types of healthcare and stuff like that. Um, but that isn't always the case when we look at really long lived people. In fact, really long lived people aren't you know, like I said, like when we look at those long-lived enclaves, those places like uh, I think there's some in Cyprus, there's some in Italy, there's some in Okinawa, there's a couple places like that. They they are not very wealthy. Siberia, because they're <laughs> these people just don't die. They're frozen. These people who ride bears <laughs> to work and like fill up at a gas station, but it's just vodka that they put in their bear. Uh, on article number two. Banging Neanderthals has been our pastime for hundreds of thousands of years. We, we've, you know what? We already did the work on this earlier. I'm just going to go and take a nap while uh, for the next few minutes. We already did the joking about the title. This is a super interesting article. I didn't think it was nearly popularized enough. There were other things that I was actually going to run with as our second main story. But this was just one of those things that is like a super cool article that does not get enough attention. 
So real quick, let's do a quick review. We are Homo sapiens. We think we've been around for about 300,000 years. The oldest evidence is in North Africa, but then after that, it's all the way across the continent in East Africa at about 180, 200 some odd thousand years. Uh, we evolved within Africa and then spread out as we spread out about 75,000 years ago. Some of our populations mated with Neanderthals and then uh, Denisovans, and then we made out, one group made it down into Australia. They became somewhat isolated. Subsequent groups, or maybe kind of a delayed version of that same group, then spread out through Asia and became, you know, Asians and then Europeans and came together, became Native Americans and yada, yada, yada. And we have interbreeding with different hominids in our past. And that past, that interbreeding events, you know, somewhere in the 60 something to 70 something thousand years ago. Prehistoric Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There might have been a few of those events, and there certainly were with different species and stuff, but that's kind of the story, and that happened, you know, let's say 60-some-odd thousand years ago. Well, something really interesting just popped up in the genetics, and a new paper out suggests a very interesting solution as to what it is. And the idea is that in those, remember I said that- It's about not the, time travel, is it? It's never time travel. I keep it's hoping- It's never time travel. It's fucking- No. But, but hold on, wait, wait. But it is a Stargate. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. You're, are you fuck with me? Because, <laughs> yes. because, because, oh, okay, that's, that's fair. Because I didn't, that was a very unbobby answer. I just bring up because if it was time travel, part of it being time travel and to keeping it from affecting the timeline would be making sure that nobody, everybody didn't think it was time travel. Mm. So we can never truly rule it out. Hmm. I don't know if that's true, but we'll, we'll have to do the math on that. <laughs> So one of the things is that group that made it out into the rest of the world that became ab Aboriginal Australians and then, you know, later subsequent groups or again, possibly a delayed version of that same group that became all the other non-African groups of modern Homo sapiens. They weren't actually the first Homo sapiens to leave Africa. We have tons of evidence of other Homo sapien groups, our own modern humans, making it into Eurasia. They just all died out. And we see their remains in certain places, their tools in certain places throughout South Asia. They just made it there and they couldn't survive. They cul-de-sacked out. Something happened and they all wiped out. And then later on, Homo sapiens recolonized it, did it better, and now we're still here. What's really, really interesting is... They ran it like a short-faced bear attack. One short-faced bear mm, That would only be if they made it to the North America. They don't think we made, they made it there when they made it out a hundred some odd thousand years ago. More like they just made it into like the south of Asia, maybe as far as China, and died out, you know, by... They might, might have made it there 120, 130,000 years ago. Uh, maybe even older. Hear me out. Okay. Um, and I, I, I think a big, like a... In schools, we don't really learn a lot about this era in history, this this portion of history that, that you know, you spend most of your career reading about and studying. Mm -hmm. um, I, I propose an Oregon Trail-like game. Your job is to lead a colony out of, of early Homo sapiens out of Africa, and clearly you can fail. I like this game idea, actually. I, I like this already. It's already cooler than Oregon Trail. Already cooler. There's going to be a lot of interbreeding, too, right? I mean, I assume you're going to have to bang a lot of Neanderthals and Denisovans. <laughs> Bob, anything to work cousin-fucking into a game. You and I have talked several times on several different game projects, and it's always cousin-fucking. This is brow facial, and you know it. <laughs> you stumbled upon an, an innocent, uh, large-breasted Neanderthal, barely covered in mammoth skin. What this new article suggests is that one of those, what we used to consider a dead end, one of those groups of Homo sapiens that made it out of Africa but then died out somewhere in Eurasia actually also 
bred into Neanderthals. And this time, we're talking a super ancient breeding event, not too far after the dawn of our own species, 250 to 270,000 years ago. So an incredibly long time, shortly after our species started, as far as we knew, came to, into existence made it into Eurasia, bred with Neanderthals, then our then the modern humans ended up dying out there. But some of those genetics lived on within Neanderthal populations. And then by the way, we got some of them back when we our later modern ancestors then bred in with Neanderthals again and we we maintained some of their their DNA. So Super, super interesting. Basically, what this article suggests, and you know, this will require follow-up research because we're talking about really ancient genetics. We don't have a kind of the standard sample, meaning we don't have the genetics of these ancient humans who are walking out. What what actually happened is we found some DNA markers in sub-Saharan modern African populations that we thought were Neanderthal markers and we're like what the fuck is this doing here this shouldn't be here we know there is some neanderthal dna coming back into sub-saharan africa but not this much and it shouldn't be there and what's going on and what we realized is by doing some more math and looking at some ancient neanderthal dna and ancient and 120,000 year old neanderthal remains is that it looks more like what we thought were Neanderthal markers are actually ancient modern Homo sapien markers that all Homo sapiens share, that that group, that dead-end group, carried out into Eurasia with them, bred in with the Neanderthals. That became part of their DNA structure, which we then just assumed was some Neanderthal marker and not an ancient human one. Super, super super fucking cool. If we can definitively say this, which in order to do that, we're going to have to find the remains of, you know, those those human dead end groups that made it out there. We're going to have to find some of that that has DNA for us to test and do the comparisons. But if that is true, it says some interesting stuff about genetics, about ancient genetics, about our relation to other hominids, about when our species left Africa. But it also says something that 19-year-old Bobby was yelling at paleoanthropology world leaders who are much smarter and better educated than him, which is there is no way we haven't fucked these things. And every time we see them, we're going to try and fuck them. And I can promise you that because that is the nature of humans. It kind of sounds to me like it, like the biggest danger for the first few of these expeditions and the, few, the biggest danger we're going to have to program into this game is not being seduced by sweet Neanderthal ass away from your mission of colonizing and not just, you know, going native as they might say. Oh, dear. Very, very neat. Kind of tells us this story about this group we thought. I mean, we again, we had found some of the evidence of, you know, these extinct groups making out there, which, by the way, we know to be extinct groups and, and didn't contribute to modern genetics because we can track all the genetics of all modern living people back to those groups that came out no more than about 75,000 years ago, maybe even maybe even later than that. So we know they didn't survive, except little bits of them survived within Neanderthals and little bits of Neanderthals survived within us. And so they aren't actually a full dead end. We have changed the story and rewritten history a little bit. It may have been filtered through multiple species over hundreds of thousands of years, but eventually those people that made it out of Africa so long ago, a quarter of a million years ago, right after our species, as far as we know, came to exist, those people do have living descendants. It is us. It is just incredibly diluted and again, gone through the genes were held for safekeeping in Neanderthals for 200,000 years or so. I, you have just added exponentially to the amount of uh, my ancestors who look upon me with shame. 
I thought I was just kind of speaking to like a Truman Show type room. Turns out I, by my shame's been being broadcast to most of humanity before me. Oh, very, very neat. Very cool. I love stories like this that tell us more about the ancient past that we have no other way to know about. And just another example of genetics writing the history of humans that has been lost in the dirt for literally quarter of a million years. It is so cool to see this stuff. So neat to see. You know, we might be we might be looking at the the evidence of like a single mating pair that happened 270,000 years ago. And that's just so fucking mind blowing. And it's so cool to know that some element of those people actually did survive and, and exists in all of us living today. Very, very cool. Thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction 679, where you learned all about the difference of the blood of long lived individuals and how we've been banging Neanderthals for hundreds of thousands of years. Thank you so much for joining me, and come on back next week for Science Faction 680. Billy, I've lived a long life. 89 years to be exact. But I, and more importantly, my dick didn't come alive until three years ago when you checked me into this facility. And I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. My balls say thank you to dramatic death. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right. 